As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Wings for Breakfast, our twice-weekly Red Wings podcast here on The Athletic, presented by BetMGM. I'm Max Boltman, with me as always is Prashant Iyer. We're doing something a little different today, actually a couple things a little different today. We are uh, doing the dangerous act of recording two hours and 20 minutes before puck drop of a game, which means some wild stuff might happen and people will be wondering why we did not cover it. If that is the case, that's why. It's 510 right now. Uh, We're going to try and squeeze this one in right before the game, before I go down to the arena. Uh, So that's going to be, we're going to analyze Tuesday's show. It might be a little outdated. Apologies. We won't spend too much time on it, though, because Prashant had uh, an idea for kind of our main segment today that I think most of you will really like. Prashant? Yeah, so, I mean, it's uh, trade deadlines five days away, right? Monday, if I can count my days, I don't really know at this point. Uh, But Monday, April 12th, is going to be the trade deadline, and so this is going to be our last recording before uh, the deadline actually happens when it comes at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so I figured let's field the best trade proposals that you guys can make, and what we will do is we will pit Max, our very esteemed uh, beat writer for the Detroit Red Wings, against my trade machine using values uh, generated by Dom Lushizen's war model, which is uh, GSVA. Uh, we have a model, uh, or Dom, I should say, Dom's model has the ability to analyze the value of a player, a prospect, and a draft pick all on the same scale, which makes it a lot easier for us to be able to assess and, and, and kind of provide relative values for uh, the different picks and prospects and players included in a deal. And so, we decided we would take your deals, I will pitch them to Max, and then I will also input them in uh, my trade machine, and we will see. Max is going to make a determination of which team wins the deal and by how much, and I will let him know what the trade machine says, and then we'll kind of discuss some of the ones that end up pretty close uh, for the Red Wings here. So how's that sound, Max? I think that sounds great. Now, we <laughs> the one thing is, as we were fielding offers... Uh, I love all of our listeners uh, very dearly as as uh, as close personal friends. I don't know how many of them have a future as general managers in the NHL. Not a lot of what I would call balanced deals of the bunch here. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, I'll just kind of echo with Max here. <laughs> Eyeballing some of them. Um, guys, we got some work to do here. And that's honestly the whole point of it, right? Being an NHL GM is hard. Approximating value of teams you don't see a lot is hard. Uh, projecting uh, what a future draft pick is going to do and where a draft slot is going to uh, occur, that's hard. And that was the whole reason I actually built this trade machine was to actually see if we could figure out what a fair deal might look like. At least broadly speaking, this trade machine is far from perfect. There are many assumptions that 
I have built into it and baked into it. And as a result, there are limitations when you're making assessments, but at least it gives us a starting point for what might be considered fair. And uh, yeah, eyeballing some of these, the trade machine is going to have some very interesting decisions here. So uh, I think with that being said, Max, you want to get it uh, started here. Yeah, let's do that. So uh, one of the first ones that I noticed, uh, what I think is kind of a outside the box one, it combines a couple things that I find interesting. Uh, Lars says Mantha and Bernier to Colorado for Francois, New Hook, but the Red Wings retain 50% of Mantha's salary. Now, I'm assuming he means for every year, which is not insignificant. I mean, that's a, that takes Mantha from like a good value player to an unbelievable value player, um, even with the decline in production, because that would really take his salary down below $3 million. Um, we're going to have to ballpark that though. Do we, do we think that's like realistic enough that they could retain salary for four years or do we want to say they just retain salary for this year or something like that? I suppose it's realistic. Um, I guess for the purpose of the proposal, let's not alter Lars's proposal. And let's well, he go doesn't with specify. The, so we're, we're kind of playing a guesswork here. I, I'm going to say, okay, maybe, maybe more legitimately, let's say they retain for this season. Okay. Um, although I guess financially speaking, are the Avs able to take on Mantha's full salary beyond this year? I believe they can, although they do have some other players that may, you know, warrant some of that cap space. So I think realistically speaking, we may have to take it as retaining half of Mantha's salary for each of the next three seasons after this year. So, uh, cause if you look at the Avs cap space, I mean, right now they have plenty They're I think sitting at about 7.8 million is where they'd be at the end of the season, but you know, at the end of the year, they're going to have to deal with Gabriel Landeskog, Brandon Saad, uh, potentially a couple of these other guys here. They're going to have to deal with Kill McCarr as a restricted free agent. So I don't know that they're in position to take a full $5.7 million Anthony Mantha. The other part of this is Pavel Francouz on LTIR. I don't believe you can trade someone who is on LTIR. Is that true or no? Um, did he not play last night? I thought he was back. Maybe Cap Friendly hasn't updated. I thought Johansson played last night, Jonas Johansson. I cannot recall off the top of my head, but again, for the purpose of the deal, let's, <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and give it to Lars. Let's just say, uh, even if he is on LTR, we'll throw that uh, out the window. I mean, you know, for that respect, I guess Jonathan Bernier was not on LTIR, but he has not played in a while. So, right. uh, you know, similar concept here. But we'll give it to Lars. We'll say that you can do it. We'll say we'll retain 50% on Mantha for the rest of his contract, given that uh, there is a need to uh, do that for Colorado, I think, to be able to um, take him on. So, Max, what do you think here? Who's going to win this deal? All right. So, logically, Bernier for Franceau is going to skew value in Detroit's favor because it's beyond just one year. It's a good contract for Franceau. He's promising young player that's that's nice that that's a lean detroit uh i'm guessing i don't know how your model factors prospect projections but new hook as a mid round mid first round pick um even 16th overall yep mantha's lower salary i'm gonna guess that the machine likes colorado or sorry the machine would like detroit's end of that deal better The, the machine would say colorado says no um, but I have to say at $3 million real life, I, I kind of didn't hate this one. If it's, if it's, if it's retained salary for the whole thing. If you're retaining salary for the whole thing, surprisingly, this deal ends up as a wash. So that's an accepted, uh, what we would call kind of an accepted trade. That is an accepted trade. This deal ends up at an exact wash because if you take Mantha's salary and you cut it in half, you end up at 12 points four in value going to Colorado, and 12.6 in value coming to Detroit. All and right. so that is about an exact wash. Now, in real dollars, Colorado added a lot more salary than Detroit did because, you know, again, with Alex Newhook, uh, you know, you've got the ELOC kind of capacity, and then Pablo Francois only got two years on his deal compared to Mantha having four years on his deal at a much higher term. However, the contract value is a wash. So... This is certainly a deal that I think is very out there, very different than what I think you would expect. Uh, I think from Colorado's standpoint, they're certainly very deep at forward. 
Um, however, I doubt they are willing to part with Alex Newhook pending their decision for Brandon Saad. I think Saad has been a luxury for them this year. He's an unrestricted free agent. I don't know that he's a long-term part of their future, uh, and they're likely to probably say, okay, we can maybe step from Saad and maybe make this transition towards Newhook in the next year or two. Um, so I, I, they may be willing to uh, or may not be willing to do it. Now, that being said, you had Anthony Mantha, and that fixes your Brandon Saad problem, and you've got him cost control for three more years. So I don't know. It's a, it, The machine likes it. I underestimated the machine here. The machine was pretty much in line with with my analysis, so I got to give the machine a little bit more credit there. Yeah, I mean, now here's the thing: if you don't retain any salary yeah, yeah, on Anthony Mantha, yeah. this is a huge win for Detroit. It's yeah. twelve point six in value to Detroit. 8. And Colorado value. doesn't do it if you if you right. don't retain. Right, all Colorado that. doesn't do it. And even if you retain just twenty twenty one, you're still looking at about a big enough difference to where I think the machine's going to say this deal's not happening. You retain it for every year which again, Detroit has the capacity to do. The Stephen Weiss buyout is falling off. It's like $8 million. It, That's a lot. It, it's a lot of money with a flat cap. Um, and so maybe if you're Detroit and you're willing to do that, you need more than just the 2022 first. Uh, or I shouldn't say 2022 first, but you need more than Alex Newhook yeah. to really seal that deal. Because you know if you were having the cap escalate the way um, it normally does, then maybe that cap space isn't as valuable uh, but for Colorado, a team that maybe hasn't game planned and really no team could have game planned for kind of the flattening of the cap over the next few years, you should make them have to pay more to have that kind of pick protection uh, in that sense. Well, I guess that's where I was thinking Pavel Franco comes in because you go from a uh, and I, I, I like Jonathan Bernie a lot, obviously, as we talked about in the show, Franco a little bit younger. Um, and, and I think, you know, if you get him back on a, on a cost control for a year, and if you want to extend him at that point, then that could make some sense. Now he's not as proven for being a 30 year old as you would probably like. Um, so I guess that's the wrinkle, but you know what? It's, 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 it's a galaxy brain idea. I don't hate it. I don't hate it after you make that retention. Now, whether or not it actually happens would be a different story. Oh, I don't think this is a, this is a realistic one at all, but it's just one of those ones that's so crazy it just might work kind of thing. It, it, it's fun. It tests the machine. All right. Let's keep testing the machine. Um, here's one that I'm very curious to see how your machine's going to take into account this contract. So Beecroft, Leo Komarov, a 2021 fifth-round pick, and a 2023 second-round pick for Philip Larson. Which I assume just right. means like for nothing, but they're going to throw a contract in there to make the contracts match, which I think is, is a right. good thing. For those of you who are trying to make uh, deals like this, remember that the contract limit is relevant. So if you want to do some of these dumps, you know, yes, you could do some for future considerations, but you can also use kind of prospects um, in order to kind of fulfill that criteria. That's something that actual GMs have to think about that um, us who says no GMs seldom have to. All right, Max, where do you think the machines land in here? I think so the got, machine says Islanders say no, but I don't know how well it factors negative value on contracts and all that. Yeah, so the way it treats negative value on contracts is only if it's a benefit in the sense of LTIR. Um, so, you know, if you're an LTIR case, then it just counts the value of the contract as a positive and doesn't actually impact any of the um, you know, issues, or I should say any of the on-ice performance because the player is conceivably speaking not playing on ice. So the ability to take that LTIR is essentially buying cap space. Now, if you're a truly just negative on-ice player and you've got a cap dump, well, then that's a little bit of a different story here. But, all right, so you're thinking Islanders would say no here. Yes. So Komarov, a third, a fifth uh, for Philip Larson. A here. second. Komarov, a second, a fifth. For Philip Larson. Second and a fifth. Okay, and that's a 2023 second. That's so let right. Me, uh, let me uh, correct the machine here. The machine was a little uh, excited to, to pick that uh, uh, in favor there. So you make that a 2023 second, and New York loses this in ter- by uh, a little bit here. So Detroit adds 1.1 in contract value simply from those picks. Uh, does like that 2023 second round pick as being the most valuable asset in the deal by far. In fact, Komarov for Philip Larson is a wash in terms of contract value. Uh, and so really it's New York buying uh, cap space, really 3 million or 2.1 million, I should say, in cap space for a second and a fifth, which to me seems like a bit of a steep price in the current NHL market when you consider that 
it took Detroit only got a second for taking on 5.7 million for Mark Stahl. So I don't think New York would have to even make a second and a fifth to only buy 2.1 million in cap space. I think that would be a, a fourth price or fifth. kind of a, yeah, I, I think you're looking at maybe, you know, a fourth round pick uh, or third round pick kind of valuation wise based on uh, previous deals that have happened this year. So I think New York doesn't make this deal. Uh, Machine doesn't think New York makes this deal. We're kind of outside the margin of this being close enough to call it a wash. And then the salary wise, I mean, the Islanders have already, uh, you know, started making some of their moves. there, going after Kyle Palmieri and, and, and Travis Zajac. So I don't know that this is another move that really uh, does a lot for them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, here's one from Zach. Glendening and Bernier to the Panthers for Chris Dreger and a third. Uh, and in this scenario, he wants it clarified that it's at, at the Red Wings would then sign Dreger to a three-year contract. I'm not sure we can do that to the machine. Um, and I'm not sure that that could be negotiated in time to execute the trade necessarily anyway. So that could definitely be the Red Wings intention, but I don't think we can bake it into the proposal. So let's just run it as Glendening and Bernier for Dreger and a third. All right. So, and I think this is going to be a hard no from Florida personally. So Glennon, and it was, uh, what year was the third? Uh, yeah, let's go with 2021 just for the, yeah, he doesn't specify. So let's say 2021. All right. So Max, uh, you're saying hard no from Florida here. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, the machine absolutely hates this one for Florida. So from a, uh, contract value standpoint, Detroit would be adding 8.7 in value. Florida would be adding 2.2 and that's not baking in, um, a future contract for Chris Dreger, which if you baked it in, I suspect you come in a little bit higher. Um, Dreger's current, the reason why Dreger's so valuable right now is thus far he's been worth about four wins on the season and he's doing it with a salary of $850,000, obviously a three-year extension. And I think he said what, 3 million a year, um, would certainly uh, lower that value, but it would still be a relative net increase. So I think your contract value after uh, banking in that deal probably comes in around 10 or 11. So you're looking at a massive, massive landslide of a victory for uh, Detroit. And the other issue is while Florida has 18 million in cap space after making their deal, um, you know, with Lucas Walmart, they would be eating about $4 million in salary to bring Glendening and Bernier in for this year, which this is the best team Florida's had in probably 25 years. I don't know that those are the moves where, that they want to drop $4 million in, in money on when, you know, arguably Bernier has been a little bit worse than maybe Dreger on the season. Yeah, I mean, here's, here's, how, here's how this one breaks down for me, right? Like, like, I understand the idea of Florida moving Dreger because they're going to lose him likely this summer if they don't. Um, and so I understand that theory and that's why I proposed in, um, in one of my articles recently, I, I was trying to do a recreation of the Ben Bishop trade for Steve Eisenman in Tampa. I suggested, what about Robbie Fabry for Dreger? At least that way, Florida gets a top nine player who can score for their run. And if you want to throw in Jonathan Bernier to add to that, um, I actually think that makes more sense to do because it doesn't, you know, chip into arguably, not even arguably, Dreger's been Florida's best goalie this year, and they're in the middle of a playoff run, so you can't leave them without their best goalie there. That was the fatal flaw, I think, in that proposal, and that's one of the things I laid out in the article. So if you wanted to make that Fabry and Bernier for Dreger straight up, 
I think that's got a little bit more merit. Actually, can we ask the machine that one real quick? Yeah, so so the machine likes that a little bit better. It's still probably call it a no with Detroit adding a contract value to eight and, and Florida combined with Fabry and Bernier doing 4.9. Okay. Now, Florida may consider this because if you look at uh, kind of the wins added um, in 2021, you're adding about 2.8 wins there, whereas Dreger, again, if you're splitting time with Bobrovsky, may not be able to add as much. But ultimately, I think uh, this would be closer, but still probably a no from Florida. And so if Fabry is not enough to get that done, Glendening is definitely not. And that's without Florida having to add in that pick that we had in here. And I think so it breaks down on multiple levels. I mean, I think if you want to if you want to argue for a Dreger Bernier swap, you got to add in either a young player, um, and I think Fabry could count as that. It, it part probably one of the things that's hurting there is that he's only under one more year of contract before he's a free agent. Whereas I wonder if you, uh, I don't know, I don't really know what the alternative is there, but like a Valeno, I guess, or something like that. Like maybe that's the the path to doing something like that. But um, like Dreger's a, a high value asset in that sense and he he he's worth a lot to florida right now because they're not a seller they're they're a buyer so you kind of have to cater to to really knocking their socks off to make something like that happen yeah you throw valeno in in place of fabry and you do valeno and bernie and you come up to eight versus 6.4 which i think is within the margin of uh, an acceptable deal kind of being about plus or minus two so that's but probably what now, it takes yeah i, think I don't that's know that exactly i would do that if i'm detroit personally yeah I don't think you would do that if you're Detroit either right now. Um, I think you're much more interested in the longer term with Joe Valeno than getting a 26-year-old yep. goaltender. Yep, I agree. So, and, and that's why this is hard, right? Like you, you got competing interests here. It's hard to find a trade partner um, for multiple reasons, not the least of which is you're competing uh, for a limited number of them, which I think is going to be a big factor this year. There's only probably going to be 10 to 12 buyers in the NHL, and you're going to have you know, conversely, 18 to 20 sellers trying to compete for them. And you got to find the one that lines up with you. Perfect. You know, I, I tried to make it work for that article, but one of the, my takeaways is I'm just not sure Detroit and Florida are all that good a match, but I do respect the effort here from, uh, from, from Zach. Yeah. I mean, that's the challenge, right? Is with Florida being the buyer, the way they are. I mean, number one, this is the best team that they've had, but number two, they have 18 million in cap space. Like they should be swinging for the fences yes. here. They should be in on a so, hall type. Right. They should be in on, I mean, people have jokingly said this, Taylor Hall plus Jack Eichel is $18 million. Yeah, Reese Jessup tweeted that, right, didn't he? Right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was Reese who, who tweeted it. So, you know, that's that's the tier that Florida should be swinging on. They're not really going to be looking at these uh, third-line players to bring in as really guys to move the needle for them. They're going to be swinging big for elite talent. So, you know, if you want to get in the conversation of let's talk about Anthony Mantha to Florida, I think that's that's the level of a deal that you're looking at if you're trying to But not to work. for Dreger. That's that's more for But not futures. not for yeah. Dreger. Exactly. All right, uh moving on. Let's let's we just talked about Robbie Fabry. Let's do this Armaloy one. Uh I think you're going to hate it. I think the machine's going to hate it, but let's ask it. Robbie Fabry for Jake Bean straight up. Now, the machine probably doesn't know about the expansion draft considerations here, which is I'm guessing is why uh Armaloy is asking this one because if Carolina extends Dougie Hamilton, Jake Bean would almost unquestionably be, unquestionably be claimed um, by Seattle in the expansion draft. This could kind of allow Carolina to get around that. My sense, though, is that you know the machine obviously can't calculate that for, but the machine also can't calculate for competing offers. And if Carolina put Jake Bean's name out on the block, they're just going to get a better offer than this. So I'm going to say the machine says no. I'm going to admit that it's that uh, the real life idea of it isn't as crazy as the machine's going to think, but I'm also going to say it'd still be a no in real life for a different reason. So your analysis is about spot on. The machine does not hate it all that much. Contract value wise, 2.1 added for Detroit with Jake Bean. No, that's Contract the opposite of what I thought. I thought the machine would hate it. No, no, no. Sorry. I thought you said the machine would actually not think it's that bad. So actually it's because a lot of the the models that are out there are not huge Jake Bean fans, huh. which is somewhat surprising. He's He tends to be a guy who scored a lot, but his on-ice impacts haven't necessarily been incredible. So I think Dom's model, even the evolving hockey models, have been a little maybe late to react to him. I think this is a guy who is maybe under-projected uh, by those models and is actually his actual impression is a much better player than maybe what the models perceive at this point in time. I think next year you could see him have a huge breakout year. 
So while the model may call this close and the machine doesn't actually hate it, 2.1 versus 1.6, uh, I think this is a deal that Carolina does not make. Um, now, that being said, Carolina is always looking for shooting talent, finishing talent. Fabry's a good shooter. He's played well this year. Um, been one of Detroit's better players for parts of the season. I don't think this gets it done for them. And they have one more year uh, for Fabry at $2.95 million, which they may or may not want to have to deal with. You know, especially as we've talked about some deals around Detroit's young players, I wonder, you know, certainly I wonder if Fabry could be one of those, but I also wonder, you know, does he become more valuable to the Red Wings um, than maybe we're giving credit for, especially if they do make one of those? If you were to make a move around an Anthony Mantha at the draft, for example, you'd be really glad that you have Robbie Fabry there to step in. He's been playing on the top line with Dylan Larkin and Phillips. That line's been pretty effective. Like, you're really happy that you have Robbie Fabry if you do decide to make a move around one of kind of the core forwards and and I you know I, you know we haven't typically kind of treated Robbie Fabry as a core forward partly because you know he did sign that short extension he's going to be a free agent in a year anyway and and you know he'd be well within his rights to go cash in and go to a contender at that point um and I, I could totally see that happening but if you're Detroit and you, you make a move on one of your young core forwards Robbie Fabry actually gets more valuable to you yeah I think he's a guy that He's going to be an important player in the short term. I don't think he's a part of the long-term future, uh, like you said. Uh, but short term, with Detroit kind of retooling and, and, and reloading and potentially moving some guys out, I think it'll be a good piece that can uh, serve as a nice stopgap on the top six. Intangible-wise, too, I did an interview with Bobby Ryan this week, and he was talking about how you know Dylan Larkin's maybe not the most outwardly vocal leader in terms of being like the, the mouthpiece in the locker room, always talking in there. So I asked who was. Tyler Bertuzzi and Robbie Fabry. And so there's another little intangible element that you get from Robbie Fabry. He was talking about all the energy that those guys bring to the room and, and, and the fun that the room has with those guys. So I think that's another little hidden benefit that you know, isn't necessarily crucial to this conversation, but a relevant little thing to know in a, in a tidbit about um, what, what guys like Bertuzzi and Fabry bring in terms of energy to the locker room. Yeah. And that's absolutely stuff that we're not capturing here. So all in all, I don't, I don't know that this deal makes a ton of sense for Carolina, and that's why ultimately I don't think it happens. All right. How many times have you seen this offer from Peter uh, in the last like year? Mantha for Cole Caulfield to Montreal. I think everyone has probably sent this trade out. Every <laughs> single person in the Detroit Red Wings fan base has sent out this deal at some point. And you are lying if you said you haven't, because <laughs> just about everybody uh you know has been thinking about this there's all the french connections with you know mantha uh you know playing in the qmjhl wanting to go back to montreal etc cetera, etc cetera. so everyone has been drumming this up and the natural guy to include from montreal standpoint is cole caulfield if you're montreal this is a non-starter right yeah so what do you think the machine says oh lordy um I think the machine. Oh, I don't know what the machine thinks of Caulfield. Like, I don't know how it how it projects college guys who, you know, were mid round pick. Like, I could see the machine thinking this is a toss up. And you'd be right because as of right now, the way that Dom does his GSVA projections, if a player has not played at least fifteen games in the NHL, um, then what we and he and I have kind of talked about doing is. We actually utilize where they were drafted as their draft pick value, as their actually value until they establish what their own value is going to be. So effectively, if you're making this deal and kind of perceiving it from the outside, you'd be saying, okay, the machine is going to look at this and say, you are trading Anthony Mantha for the 15th overall pick. And the 15th overall pick, numbers-wise, is 4.9, is worth 4.9 wins. Mantha with his contract value is 4.8. Now, remember that this 4.9 wins is calculated without any sort of contract in place. It's likely even higher than that uh, when you factor in the value added on top of the ELC. So presumably, if I'm doing this, you're probably ending up at about six or seven for Cole Caulfield uh, versus Mantha being about 4.8. So it's kind of right on the fringe of it being a non-starter, but also right around that margin of where the machine might think it's a feasible deal. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. I don't think I think this is as slam dunk for Detroit just narratively as some people maybe might assume. Now, I do the, the reason that I think Detroit would have to do it is because of the timelines and I just think Caulfield is established enough to make that argument that hey, this is a guy who can be a, 
you know, I, I would say 25 goal scorer consistently. Maybe he's got a couple 30 plus seasons in him. Um, and he's young enough that, that it really fits Detroit's window. That's why I think, you know, I think ultimately this would be a Montreal says no, but I, I can buy Montreal, especially after the Gallagher injury, being willing to do this because Manta is right in their window. He's right in their wheelhouse, right in their window. And as much as I think Caulfield is is beloved for good reason, he was unbelievable at the US NTDP, and he's going to win the Hobie Baker this year. Um, I, I completely get it. Caulfield's a great prospect. I think you could make the case that, you know, his absolute upside still isn't as high as Anthony Mantha's absolute upside. It's just he's got so many more years um, to reach it, and that's really valuable for Detroit. But I would be curious, and the contract value is going to throw it off because of how long this guy's deal is, but is there any way that you could, like, swap in Cam Atkinson and just make it so if the lengths of their contract were equal, like Mantha and Cam Atkinson? Because that's what I kind of see as, like, Things go pretty well for Cole Caulfield. You got Cam Atkinson. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. And and I mean, Cam Atkinson, uh, he's a little bit older than Mantha. He's 31 at right. this point in his career. So, you know, the model's a little bit more down on him because it thinks his future seasons right. are going to okay. be worse. But, you know, you look back at previous information for Cam Atkinson, and Cam Atkinson's a fantastic player, you know, can definitely play on the first line. Uh, but is he a better player than Anthony Mantha is right now? Um, and has he been a better player than Anthony Mantha right now? I think that's a valid question. I think, and if you think that's maybe Cole Caulfield's sees, uh, ceiling, uh, then I think that's a reasonable It's not so much like in- ceiling, it's just like likely, likeliest, like good outcome. You know, like, 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 like an 85th yeah. percentile outcome, something like that. Yeah, and so if that's the case, you know, I think it, maybe if you're Detroit and you're viewing it, you're going, okay, if that's his 85th percentile outcome, and there's maybe 15% he's better than that, but if that's maybe the most probable outcome for him, then if you're Detroit, I think you make that deal because you're saying, at worst, I think I'm getting a player that's at, that's as good as Anthony Manta. I think we can agree that Cam Atkinson yeah. in his prime was at least as good as Anthony yeah. Manta in his prime. Um, you're getting that, and so I think if you say I can guarantee that, but that's going to happen four years from now, then I'm absolutely jumping on that deal because of how Philip Zadina's at his age, Moritz Sider's at his age, Lucas Raymond's at his age. I think you would absolutely jump on that. All right, I, I can buy that. So, so that makes sense. Um, the machine—that's interesting. I mean, it, it's a nice little wrinkle there that 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 accounts for. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it can be frustrating for for trying to figure out if you have like a guy who maybe way out, like if you had a David Pasternak right before he made the NHL. You know, the model's going to underrate him there. But I like that workaround of, of estimating the value by the mid round there. Yeah, so I mean, it's again a lot of assumptions have to be baked into this so that everything can be included. So again, that's why you have to take all of this with a grain of salt and recognize what my assumptions are to build this. But it at least allows us some value to assign because it is based on players that have historically been selected at that draft slot, and that allows you to at least take a starting point, knowing that they could certainly under or overperform. And especially as you get further out from the draft year, we actually start to subtract years that they haven't made the NHL to further penalize those players. Montreal Twitter, I think, would run you out of town for this offer. I'm not so sure Montreal front office says no to this. I don't know that they say no to it either. I mean, they did just trade for Eric Stahl. And so That's maybe true. they... So I guess we should also be clear. Financially, Montreal oh, yeah, they have to say no deal as it is yeah. because they, they don't have $5.7 yeah. Um, but if there was a way in a magical world for them to make this deal, I don't know that they say no. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Mark Bergevin to make this deal. You There's know. a great hype bubble around Caulfield that I think is well-deserved uh, by what he's done. But just by NHL projection and the challenges he's still going to face, there would have to be enough little bit of skepticism for you to look at this six foot five, 26-year-old power forward winger who's coming off a unbelievable season he stumbled a little bit and that's i think the reason why you're looking at him being available i wouldn't say i wouldn't say that montreal hangs up the phone my guess i don't know you want to know what would be really fun about this deal what if you took both of their names off of it and just put blind resume their age and yeah give them a blind resume who makes this deal and then change it up and slap their names or slap their heights on it and <laughs> Right. Because I I honestly think you're still going to have people question whether or not Cole Caulfield can be successful at the NHL level. I kind of just because of his height (laughs) and his skinny. Right. I mean, we we literally just did this. And I bet you 
NHL executives, no matter what he does, are still questioning this. You know, Alex Dabrinkat was an outstanding player in the OHL, 40-goal scorer in the OHL, and 40-goal scorer at the NHL level. And he fell into the second round because people were like, ah, oh, he can't do it at the NHL level, despite the fact that he continued to do it at every stage. And Cole Caulfield is doing it at every stage. I mean, he literally tore up the NCAA. He's going to win the Hobie Baker. Single-handedly won games for Wisconsin this year. And and we're still sitting here going, I don't know. But if you put six foot five Anthony Mantha uh, there with his resume, I bet you people make that deal more than as opposed to if they were blind. I think you're right. And you know what the flaw in my logic is, is as I say that, is that there's one team in the NHL that we know that has bet on Cole Caulfield. And that's the Montreal Canadiens. So what's the team that's most likely to, to kind of understand that and understand the, the value that, that he brings? It is the Montreal Canadiens. It is. I mean, they, they are the ones who took the swing 15th overall in the draft to, to, to pick him up. And they have continued to, to work with him. And, and he is going to be an incredible player. So I, I do think in the end it's a Montreal says no. I just think it's an interesting idea. I think it's very interesting. All right, um, moving on. So here's here's a late breaking one from Dean Troit. Um, I think this is actually a Detroit says no, but I just want to know what the what the machine says that I added on here. It's a huge huge deal, and I I think that Detroit actually says no rather quickly. But he says Heronic, Mantha, Valeno, and a second round pick for Zach Wierenski. All right, Max, what do you think here? How far is our spread? Okay, so so I think that this is off by like eight wins. I think Columbus gets like eight more wins. Maybe, maybe, maybe 10 more wins than Detroit does. You're close. You should have stuck with your first number. You're off by seven or sorry, six and a half. So this is actually Columbus receiving double the value um, that Detroit would receive. So contract value added for Columbus with Mantha, Valeno, Hironic, and assuming it's Detroit's 2021 second, uh, they would add a contract value of 13 Detroit would add a contract value of six and a half. And so over the course, over the lifetime of the contract, uh, Columbus would add 12 wins. Detroit would add five. Now, Columbus would be taking on five times the salary, given Mantha, Valeno, and Philip Aronik, and also recognizing that Philip Aronik's going to need a new contract soon. Um, they'd certainly be taking on a lot more money there. Uh, but contract value-wise, this definitely likes... Uh, um, Columbus for the win here. You know Zach Wierenski is going to be the next uh, iteration of the Jacob Truba trades and the Tory Krug signings. I actually think it's going to be Seth Jones. I think oh, Seth Jones is going to be that. I like that. That definitely because, is because he's an unrestricted in a year, right? Yes. And so I think Seth Jones is going to be the guy because the fun part is if I take Zach Wierenski out and I put Seth Jones in here, how do you think that deal changes? I think that it gets more lopsided because analytics don't like Seth Jones. It goes from a contract value added of six and a half to a contract value added of 0.6. Wow. Six times more valuable is Zach Wierenski. So I think Seth Jones. Analytics, analytics do not like Seth Jones and scouts love Seth Jones. Like that's going to be like the most fascinating contract I've ever seen. Because I could see a team giving him like, you know, not Alex Petrangelo's contract, but like Victor Hedman's contract. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if someone went after and gave him. And I wouldn't you know, hate giving him, yeah. you know, seven million. But I, I think know. you would. I would hate it based on the fact that he's 26 and already yeah. not playing well model, like, you know, as graded out by his on ice impact. So I would certainly steer, steer clear of that. But the, the trade machine would say, I don't know what you're doing at this point. Fascinating. You know, so Wierenski will be unrestricted if he does not sign a long-term extension at age 26 too. What would you give Zach Wierenski on the open market where you're not having to give up assets? Am I assuming I'm signing him at, at a, a 26, 26 years, years of age? old. Yep. So if I'm signing him at 26 years of age, assuming my cap isn't changing, and let's say I'm still working with an $81.5 million cap, I think maybe seven is probably the upper limit of what I would go. Um, I think the more important number for Zach Rowenski would be the years. um, And I think I'd limit it to five or less. Uh, I don't know that I want to be signing him beyond 31 uh, blindly. 
I would want to kind of see how that progression looks. All right. I think that's fair. All right. Moving on to the next one. And this one I love. Oh, I got to see who's, who sent this one. Okay. We're actually going to come. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Uh, stick on Ice Guy. Glenn Denning. 50% retained to the Minnesota Wild for a 2021 third. For all the galaxy braining that, that, that you guys did, Stick on Ice Guy may have just given us a trade that could actually happen on Monday. Not even in like a, yeah, I could see it in like a, no, that literally might happen. <laughs> I mean, I would not be shocked to, to see this one happen. Max, what do you think? Uh, how do you think the model grades it? And let's assume for, for our purposes here that we're talking about Minnesota's uh, 2021 yeah. third round pick and not Pittsburgh's 2021 third round pick, which Minnesota owns both of those. I know Dom's model doesn't like Glendening. So I'm going to say that the model says... But 50% retained yeah, Luke okay. Glendening. This seems like a Jedi mind trick. I'm going to say that the machine says Minnesota says no, but I actually think this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the machine's still going to say Minnesota says no. For Detroit, that third round pick is worth 0.7 uh, GSVA as part of the contract value. Uh, Luke Glendening, 50% retained, is still worth minus 0.6 uh, GSVA. So you end up at about one uh, as the difference here, which again is within our margin for a deal happening, uh, but it would consider that to be a slight win for Detroit as opposed to Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. His model just doesn't like Glendening, and I, I have to like respect that. Like that's Dom does some of the best work. I think he has one of the best war models, if not the very best war model. Every year he wins the playoff challenge. Yeah. So unbelievable. You know, he, so I yep. got to just defer to, you know, I, I like Glendening as a player more than I think he's a positive value player, even if it's in a very specialized role. But Dom's model is really, really good. And I'm not just saying that because he's my coworker. Yeah, so this is uh, this is one where, again, it's within the realm of the machine not straight up vetoing it, but it would be a slight win for Detroit. And to boot, this is probably the one deal that we've heard so far that I think both sides probably make. Try it so, as a fourth, because that's kind of what I, my guess would be, you know, that's the range, third or yeah, fourth. Yeah, if you take it down to a fourth, you know, it doesn't change a ton. It goes to, you know, now from 0.4 to minus 0.6. So, okay. again, still roughly one win difference there um which again that's goes to show you number one there's not a huge difference between thirds and fourths um value wise but number two uh it's still within that realm of possibility all right fair enough and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games visit directtv.com claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsn's varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Um, Bernier, oh, I forgot to add names to some of these. Bernier plus a second to Washington for Hendricks Lapierre. Let me go find the credit for this one. This is going to be a heavy Washington says no, I think. So we've got Bernier in a second. And we'll assume again for our purposes that this is Detroit's 2021 um, second. Just to, again. Be oh, then a, maybe they say yes, because that's basically a first. <laughs> It is basically a first, right? So that's why that's the challenge with some of these deals is you have to think through well, what would, um, you know, what would the value be for some of these guys uh, at that 2021 second versus uh, Edmonton's 2021 second versus another 2021 second that they have. What do you think the trade machine says about this deal? Actually, I think the trade machine says Detroit says no because where was LaPierre picked? Late first, right? 20th. I believe. No, maybe even later than that. Because realistically, what it's saying is a, like the 20th pick for like the 35th pick. Sorry, 22nd. 22nd right. for like the 35th pick. 
And then the side that's getting the 35th pick also gets a positive value goalie. I think the machine's going to say Detroit says no, but I think in real life, Washington says no. So the machine says this is an exactly even deal. 5.8 to 5.8. So this would be exactly even for Hendrix Lapierre and then Jonathan Bernier plus Detroit's 2021 second would be exactly even there. Washington would take on an extra $2 million in salary in 2021. Over the lifespan of the, the contract, though, with Bernier expiring, Washington doesn't have anybody on the books beyond that. I don't think Washington moves Hendricks Lapierre after just drafting him um, this past year. That being said, uh, this is an exactly even deal. Washington lost Henrik Lundqvist before the season even started. Are they really prepared to go into the playoffs uh, with inexperienced goaltending? And they're getting a high second. And you're getting the 35th overall pick, basically. So, I don't know. This is maybe in the realm of possibility. Yeah, so so the asker is Fulgencio. So we got to give a round of applause here for nailing the models, uh, thinking exactly. Even if, if, you know, I've got a little bit of question on it, I cannot deny you just made the model fall in love. Yeah, you you have pleased the model. The model (laughs) is satisfied with your offering and will... Uh, you know, continue to, to to work with you. Now, the challenge to this deal, Washington has no cap space. Yes. Uh, right? So they they cannot actually do this um, from a math standpoint. There does need to be some money going back Detroit's way, and I believe it needs to be exactly equal money going back the other way because I think Washington actually has, like, zero cap space, uh, at least based on cap friendly. They have them listed as $10 in cap space right now. So... You know, to make this work, there may need to be some other pieces here, but on the surface, it, it, there's there's a framework for a deal here. So if Washington has to add salary, maybe Detroit can lower the second round pick into more like the Rangers' second round pick, for example. Yeah, conceivably, because if you're looking to add uh, Bernier's salary, is you know, if you need to add equivalent value to the three million cap hit. Uh, that you're dealing with. If you look at Washington, the guys that kind of fall into that are uh, Brendan Dillon, although he's got 3.9 million for four more years. And they keep him stay he, away from he's that. Good, yeah. Right. And then Justin Schultz is 4 million for this year and next year. Um, otherwise, Jacob Vrana is a guy that would certainly change the tables of this trade a lot. Yeah. Um, he's 3.35. Lars Zellers, maybe the guy that uh, can make this work. Although at that they point, Detroit him. should be taking out the second round pick. Yep. And asking Washington for potentially more. Well, they'd keep uh, Eller, though, right, for the playoff run? They they might. I mean, he's 31, but what if he threw in face-off specialist Luke Glendening? <laughs> All right. You know, the, 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 the math starts to maybe work out a little bit better there. But ultimately, I think as good of a deal this is, um, there needs to be some other pieces to make it worth financially. All right. Here's the first one that I actually haven't heard of the player coming back to Detroit's way. And maybe I should be embarrassed about that. This is from David. Glendening, 50% retained to the wild for Kovanov. I don't know who Kovanov is. Should I know who Kovanov is? <laughs> you should probably know who he is. Uh, 20-year-old forward from Minnesota. He's going to be a good hockey player for them. Uh, so making this deal would be very interesting. Max, uh, I'll give you I'll give you a little bit of time to think about. Uh, I'm looking him up here. All right, he came okay. from the queue. He was dominant in the queue. Holy cow! Uh, 2018 third round pick, and all yep. he did after that draft is throw up a point per game season in the in queue. Draft plus one, yep. and then a almost two point per game season in the QMJHL in his draft plus two, and play yep. in the KHL this year at age. Uh, 20 he's gonna be 20. 21 in four yeah. days he's a five foot 11 yeah. center minnesota says no then right yeah minnesota says no uh this is outside of our two win uh threshold here so hovenoff is worth about uh the models got him here at one and a half even glendening uh 50 retained minus 0.6 like we said just outside our hard no from the machine is Minnesota about to become like the iconic Russian team of, of the 2020s? I mean, it certainly seems that way with Kaprizov being as good as he is and Hovanov potentially being another guy that they can add in here. Maybe they get Chibrikov uh, in this draft. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they, they talk to Columbus about getting Chinnikov, you know, so we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Very interesting. All right. How many of these we got left? 
here's one that came from a Colorado fan that I was stunned by. Connor Timmons for Jonathan Bernier straight up. Would There's no way Colorado would trade Connor Timmons for a rental. Is there? I mean, what do you think the model says? I what think do you the think model the knows Connor Timmons is Connor Timmons is good. The model hates Connor, Connor Timmons. Really? He is a minus 2.6 GSVA. Ooh. Or minus 2.6 contract. Maybe I'm guy. wrong. And so the model would say Colorado wins this in a landslide. It's actually a net difference of six wins. Or six, contra- six in contract value. So net difference by four and a half wins going Colorado's way. So here's what's interesting is, you know, Timmons isn't the single most offensive. Def- I mean, he doesn't have a point in 19 NHL games thus far in his career. In 2019, as a 21-year-old, he had 27 points in 40 games in the AHL, which I would call solid, not crazy or anything like that. Um, and, and he's got, you know, three and four in the AHL this year, which is, you know, about in line with that. You know, but in terms of the pedigree, he was the first pick of the second round back in 2017. He was pretty productive uh, w- with the Sioux um, in in his junior days. Now, he didn't play in 1819. I don't know how that affects things. I would take this shot if I was Detroit, though. And, and you know, it's possible Timmons could get claimed in the expansion draft, although Colorado's going to have a bunch of defensemen who are at risk of being claimed. So, you know. Yeah, so I think... If you're looking at this deal as a Detroit fan, the number one thing that I think these models, all of the models, not just Dom's model, but the evolving hockey model, uh, Micah's model, the number one thing that they all struggle to evaluate is the young player just making their break in. And so Connor Timmons has, what, 17 NHL games to his name? Uh, These models are going to be somewhat strained to have a good baseline assessment of what he is going to be. Uh, so I think right now Dom's model doesn't like him because he hasn't played well in his first 17 NHL games, but I don't think 17 NHL games is going to define what his career looks like. So I actually think the machine is uh, maybe over-exaggerating this deal as a win for Detroit, but this is also Colorado dealing from a surplus. You know, this is a Colorado team where they are just absolutely loaded at defense, right? I mean, we're talking about McCarr, Gerard, Taves, Ryan Graves, you know, Bowen Byram, they don't, you know, Connor Timmons is a luxury for them. So this is maybe a deal I could see them making, um, but I don't think the model absolutely, uh, I think the machine is maybe a little bit uh, misguided with its assessment here. That's fair. All right. I think that's, those were, that's all we got for kind of the, among the finalists of the, uh, of the trade proposals. What do, what are our takeaways here? What do we learn from doing something like this other than just uh, the joy of shooting down uh, trade proposals from our, our friends, the listeners? So I think there's a couple of like life lessons to take away from making these mock trades. And so number one, uh, recognize how quickly draft pick value depreciates. You know, as soon as you get outside something that's really top 15, top 20, uh, we're talking about roughly equivalent value almost the rest of the way. I just, I said this on the last episode, the difference between the first and fourth pick is the same as fourth and 116th, right? Draft picks depreciate quickly. Third and fourth round picks don't really make a difference in the long run. You're just giving yourself another chance to be spun around 30 times, blindfolded and throw a dart at a dartboard. It's great because you might hit the dartboard and you might end up with Braden Point or you're more likely to end up with nothing at all. So don't think of those as needle movers but think about what are your ways to really increase your ability to get the top draft picks. And then again, remember how valuable those picks are. And then finally, you know, I think one of the other things that I think we all struggle with is we don't get to watch enough of these other teams. Yeah. We all don't get to watch enough of these other players. Sometimes we just don't know enough about them and say... Sometimes we don't know who Kovanov is. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly how it shows up. It's, um, it's, hey, I haven't seen enough of them to know but I hear this name, let me throw a deal out for them, um, realizing that there may be just uh, a lot of difference here. So we like to critique NHL GMs, but this is really hard. I actually will sit here and just play with the trade machine to come up with stuff that seems fair, but it's not easy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it, this, I think, does illustrate how hard it is. To, not only because, you know, I think what one thing that fans do have going for them as, as they make these proposals is that they do have kind of the emotional attachment to players that I think 
it's reasonable to expect some teams to have to their own players. In some cases, these are guys you staked your job on the draft that you really went to bat for, you really believed in, you got to know. And I think a, a, an excellent GM um, is able to separate some of those feelings when it's time to. But I also think an excellent GM, you know, still thinks about, you know, these players and, and, and them as people beyond just kind of numbers on um, on the machine. And, and so I think, you know, that matters too. And, and that's one of the challenges for all this stuff. And so I think, you know, it's a benefit that the fans have that. It also leads them to throw out absurd things because they way overvalue their own guys uh, or they way undervalue other teams' guys. Um, you know, and, and especially as like at the athletic, I'm sure people have seen, maybe are even kind of sick of some of the who says no stuff that we've done in in articles. And sometimes I give an opinion, and the next day I'm like, yeah, I, I probably should have should have should have had the opposite opinion on that. You know, you wake up and you think like, yeah, actually that was actually a much more realistic value than I thought, and. And that's one reason that I'm probably never going to be an NHL GM. I can say with uh, with quite a bit of certainty that uh, no one's going to knock on my door for that. And I think there's I've put plenty of reasons in print that would tell you why. So, but I think it's a fun exercise. It's one of the reasons this time of year is so fun, and I hope you guys have as much fun with it as uh, as we do. Yeah, I mean, I think this is arguably the hardest thing to do in hockey is generate a, f- a fair hockey trade that benefits both sides. I think it's probably the most difficult thing you can do next to maybe drafting someone in the seventh round and being able to accurately say where they're going to go. Um, and and so it just brings me back to my favorite quote from, from Micah McCurdy. It's, uh, you know, you can look up the tweet. He says, if a hockey team just paid me a million dollars to say no five times a year, I would more than earn my salary. <laughs> and, and that's what it is. I mean, if you paid me a million dollars just to say no to everything, you're probably actually going to do better in the long run because it is so hard to make these hockey trades that benefit your team um, and end up being fair and, and valid overall. What an organic segue into this next little news item that I want to read you that broke while we were recording. Per Darren Drager, three years, 3.25 million AAV for Tanner Pearson and the Canucks. What do you think? <laughs> someone's got to take Jim Benning's phone away, man. Someone's, someone's <laughs> got to get hired to say no. Someone's I'm Jim Benning. I'm here. Call me. You want me to say no to you? I got you. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, the thing is, you look at Vancouver last season, they looked to be a team on the rise. You had Elias Pettersson. You had Quinn Hughes playing an incredible year. You know, you had Jacob Markstrom and Nett. You were doing really, really great. Then you had the one of the most puzzling off seasons I've ever seen. You let Tyler Toffoli go over to Montreal. You let uh, you know, Jacob Markstrom go to Calgary. You let Chris Tanev go to Calgary. You don't really bring in replacements. You're extending Tanner Pearson. I don't know what you're doing. You signed Braden Holpe, who's had an atrocious season, and you've got a couple more years of him there. I don't know what he's doing. As Harmon pointed out, Harmon Dial from the Athletic Vancouver, Toffoli walked for 4.25, and now Pearson gets 3.25. That's not Tyler it. Toffoli has half his goals against Vancouver this season. <sighs> it's it's what are you doing? I don't know what what he is doing. I don't see a clear vision. I don't see a clear path forward for Vancouver. He is effectively doing the cardinal sin of of being a general manager, which is burying your team in mediocrity. You know how does this team move forward? I don't know. Vasily Podkolzin is going to come yeah. in on an ELC, and I think yeah. he's going to probably earn. Pearson's money, but you know you want to you want that ELC to be bringing you major major surplus value, not just getting you back to par. Yeah, I mean think about Vancouver's cap structure. Like not only are yeah. they in not not only are they second mediocrity, they're a team that's also stuck in cap hell to a certain extent. You've got Louis Erickson at nearly five million dollars, also signed for next season. You've got Jay Beagle, faceoff specialist, another three million for next year. You got Michael Furlan still three and a half million for two more years after this year. You just extended Tanner Pearson as a 28 year old who doesn't provide much offense for 3.25 for another three years. You've got Nate Schmidt 5.95 for four more years. Tyler Myers six million for another three years. I don't know what he's doing. Like, how are you then going to deal with Quinn Hughes's restricted free agent contract this season? Right, you got to deal with that this off season. You've got to deal with Elias Pettersson this offseason. There's a chance you lose these guys, right? I mean, you, you know, we're we're not ready, we're not really ready to talk about this yet, but it's offer sheet season. Quinn Hughes isn't eligible for an offer sheet. 
but Elias Pettersson is. And like Vancouver just doesn't have the structure to really protect him or match that contract. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, I I, uh, I don't know how this will go. I mean, hopefully Tanner Pearson makes us look dumb, right? I mean, hopefully for I, – I, I certainly never root against a player uh, getting what they're worth. I mean, that's that's the whole deal, right? That's what that's what everybody wants in, in life is to be – to be valued and uh, and to make a lot of money. I, I kind of question this one for Vancouver, though. Yeah, and I mean, again, this should not be interpreted as anything towards Pearson. Players got to go out and get their money, That's right? right? Every single guy, I don't care who you are, go out and get your money, go out and get whoever's willing to pay you that. But I am going to poke fun at the general manager for doing this. More than fair. All right, uh, I got to get to the rink now, so I got to run. Sorry in advance to everyone who maybe is listening to this on the way home from the game or right after the game, having expected to hear uh, analysis of, uh, let's call it, what what, what happened tonight, Prashanth? What happened tonight from the past? What happened tonight was a 4-2 loss. A 4-2 loss. Everyone watching tonight's 4-2 loss, uh, you know, I'm sorry that we don't have the analysis for you, but... Uh, you know, at least Rocco Grimaldi only got two of those goals. I guess that's what I'll yeah, say. Yeah, o- only two this time. It's better than the four la- or four two games ago. Baby steps. All right, we'll talk to you again uh, on the trade deadline. Uh, we'll see how eventful it is, and and no matter what happens, uh, we'll we'll have plenty here to break it down for you. Take care.